Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Art Burns, and I am excited to be here, but I'm also feeling some emotions of um, maybe some regret and certainly some apology, maybe even a little shame. Honestly, I really do. And it's not really well-placed shame. You know, it's not really well paid. It is. It, I think the apology is is valid and and worthy because I have promised to you that I'm going to be here every Wednesday through Sunday to do an episode, and and I missed yesterday, right? So so I do owe you an apology, but I don't know that I owe myself the shame for having missed that. I hope that you can forgive me, and I hope that you will not uh, abandon my podcast because I missed this one day. I'm not laughing because that's a, a silly thing, but I do hope that. I think I'm laughing maybe nervously. Um, but the thing of it is that, and I want to talk about this today because I want to really kind of own this, right? Is this a really kind of a tricky thing about doing this sort of uh, content creation, right? Um, you know, cause I also do, I think I've told you I do a TikTok channel every day, which also I copy to my Instagram. So I'm doing, I am a content creator. I never thought I would be a content creator, but apparently I am a content creator, and the thing is that that when when we're c- generating content for you know the internet you know we're only showing this side of us in a way right and that's what i find anyway there are a few people that, there's some very um deep stuff on tiktok by the way uh really deep stuff like um you know in terms of um you know young people like people in their 20s even you know really owning their mental difficulties and really owning their, you know, things like ADHD, uh, you know, trauma, um, you know, narcissism, all kinds of stuff. You see, like, there's some people doing some really deep work on there. And it's really encouraging. It's really inspiring for me to see that. So I do see some people on there who are, you know, just putting themselves out there even in the worst of times, but that's not typical for uh, creation, for content creation, right? It's not typical at all. And that's why I wanted to come out today and talk about like where I was yesterday because it was not a good place, right? And, and I know I come out here a lot and I'm like, oh, I'm the guy that's healed and I'm the guy that's going to help you to heal. And so sometimes that's even like, oh, I can't let people know that I'm still, you know, that I still have problems, right? Because then they won't trust me, right? But how could you trust me if I'm not honest about myself either, Right. So I'm making a decision. I'm going to go ahead and come clean about about what was going on with me yesterday. And and part of this is actually I, I think I mentioned to you that I'm I'm working with a trauma coach right now, and we're doing a specific brand of of work, um, which is all around the idea of uh, of rite of passage, right? So kind of really going back and like kind of you know through meditation and through some ritualistic kind of practices, you know, kind of you know summoning my ancestors a little bit, and and this doesn't have to be like a woo woo thing. We're not usually using a Ouija board or anything like that. You know, but but there's a, a belief that I have that is not something I came up with. This is a, a there's a a technique called um, uh, family constellation work, right? In which, you know, what you're doing is you're you're basically you know channeling you know, ancestors and stuff like that. And when I first heard of this, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> woo woo, you know, and, you know, and it, it always seems like, you know, and in the first couple of times I did it even, like I, I participated in it, I was like, but what's the difference between like, you know, like when we're saying like what's, what's arising, 
you know, in this sort of uh, role that you're playing, right? So like in a family constellation, you know, you might take on the role of say, you know, your mother, right? And, or whatever, right? And so, so as you're sitting there, you, you kind of report of what your mother's kind of saying to you in this moment, right? And it's like, okay, but how much of this is what we're making up? You know, like, how do we all have this, you know, this sort of intuitive way of, of you know, of summoning our, our ancestors, you know? And so I did some studying about this, and I, did, I looked into this a lot. And, and the reality is, right, and this ties into what I talk to you all about every day, and this is really going to tie into what I'm about to say in a few minutes about what I've been struggling with, is that, you know, our nervous system, right, and, and all the cells of our body, right, they're passed down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And so uh, there, there's, there's a theory out there. It's not scientific, but there's this theory that seven generations are impacted, right? So, so like, like who I am today, right? Or I guess when I have children, you know, seven generations. Well, I guess that's not true because if I'm changing now, my son is going to change based on the way that I'm changing, right? Because, because what, what I'm trying to say is that like my son's nervous system, right, is something that he inherited it, inherited from me and my wife, right? And so that's not just my nervous system or my wife's nervous system because we inherited our nervous systems from both of our parents, and they inherited their nervous systems from their two parents. So what you have is, and if you go back 400 years, which is like 20 generations, I think they say, but if you go back that far, there are 4,000 people that were your grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great. 4,000 people took it took to make you you today. And so what that means is that you have 4,000 of those nervous systems are, are in you, right? Like that is the real thing, right? That's not a woo-woo concept, right? That is cellular and genetic inheritance. <laughs> That's something we've known for a long, long time. And so, so when we say that I'm feeling, you know, my grandparents, it's actually true, right? You are because you're feeling inside of you is at least partially what they felt. Now, the only reason I say it's partially is because you have four grandparents, right? And so you have four parts of your nervous system, right? Like there, there's four, four ingredients in your nervous system, right? That make up the recipe, right? <clears throat> but now here's the thing. Within the lifespan, the nervous system can be changed, right? So that means that even though my son and my daughter are already born, the the changes that they're going through based on the work that I'm doing right now, that when they, if and when they have children, right, when my son's genetic coding is, is delivered through his sperm cells into the ovary of another person, well, then the, 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 uh, the contribution that my son is going to make is from a nervous system that is different from the one that he was born with based on the work that I've done. Work directly with him, but also just work on myself because he's going to follow me, right? And so, so his nervous system is changing and therefore the person that's born from him is going to be different from 
me and from him, right? So this is an important thing to understand, right? And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, one of the things that was going on yesterday was that I was, I was feeling a lot. I mean, I was just feeling a lot. Like, um, so Tuesdays when I have my, uh, my meeting with my, um, my trauma coach and, um, you know, this week what we did was I did some, some very deep meditations where I tried to kind of, you know, see what ancestors were calling to me. Right. Just just noticing like what was going on, like like who's who's calling out to me kind of thing. Right. Not what's going on, but who's calling out to me. And so I got this really. So there were a total of four people who actually three people who, who really stood out to me. Right. Two of whom are very, you know, cognitively important to me. Right. I have I have somebody in my family line who is a pirate. <laughs> and that's very important to me because that's a badass dude, right? He uh, he actually was part of the British Navy, and they shipwrecked on, you know, on Bermuda. And while they were on Bermuda, my great 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 grandfather said, "You know what? If there's no boat, then I'm no longer a sailor, and so I'm leaving." And so he took off, and they caught him, and they sentenced him to death, right? And instead of going to the gallows. Nobody knows how this happened, which is really awesome, right? This is a complete mystery. But somehow he went from being sentenced to death to instead we're giving you a boat and you're going to be a privateer, which is a, a, a you know a state-sanctioned piracy, basically, and go get as many Spanish ships in the Caribbean as you can, <laughs> Right. So that is just a badass dude out there, you know? And so I've always like I have a tattoo on my shoulder of a pirate, you know, the pirate flag and stuff. So I mean that's something I hold near and dear to my heart. There's another figure, very shadowy, very mysterious figure, um, who, you know, lived in New York. He's like um my father's like great uncle. So so my father's grandfather's brother, I think. But anyway, this nobody knows what happened to him, right? He just disappeared, right? Like he just vanished. So it is assumed that he's buried in Potter's Field in, in New York City, right? In like in one of the islands, the Ward's Island, I think it is. Anyway, it's just, you know, his grave is marked with nothing but a, a little number, right? Like nobody knows that he's in there. Right. And nobody knows if he is or not. Like we have no idea. Right. So this shadowy figure, I've always been like, wow, that's my people, <laughs> you know, because I I feel like I can disappear sometimes like that, too, you know. And so what's what's so those two kind of came out. But I think that might have been more my construction more than my conduition. Right. But now this third person, though, this is really intense. The third person that came to mind was somebody I never knew, never even knew of, really. It was always very mysterious, but my great-grandfather on my father's side, so my father's grandfather, right, it was very mysterious. Nobody really talked about him. It was always kind of, anytime we asked, oh, he just died when, you know, when your dad was little, he never knew him, that kind of thing, you know. It turns out a much different story from that. It turns out I, I contacted my cousin <clears throat> yesterday and uh, and had her, you know, she she's done the whole gene. Her and another cousin have done this whole gene genealogy thing and, and the whole ancestry.com. They have their DNA on there in case anybody finds them and stuff like that. And they have. I mean, one of her sister gave up a, a child for adoption in college and that person found her 40 years later. 
It's pretty intense stuff. Um, so anyway, um, so I asked my cousin Joan, like, hey, can you help me, like, tell me anything you know about this guy? Because he came to me in this meditation. Joan also practices mindfulness, so I can talk to her about this. The rest of my family's like, hey, uh, take some more mushrooms, dude, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, but uh, but my my cousin Joan, is she's hip to what we're talking about. So, so, she, you know, so she came right back and she told me this story that apparently... First of all, the guy's name is Shirley Arthur Moore. So that's Arthur. That's where I got the name from. Nobody even ever told us this, right? But my father's name was Arthur because his mother was Shirley Arthur Moore's daughter, and she honored him with naming her her youngest son, right? Took the third try. She finally did it. So there's obviously something there, right? So apparently this guy was like a philandering, drunk, womanizing son of a gun. Like, I had no idea. Like, the guy was just horrible. And, and, his, and his wife kicked him out of the house, and he moved to Staten Island from Manhattan. And rumor is that, they, that he started a family out there, too. My, my aunt, my cousin's mother, right, who's my... She's, this, the cousin is my second cousin, so the aunt is my great aunt. So really, it's my father's aunt, and this is my father's cousin that I'm talking to, right? But but she her her mom, my aunt Edie, my great aunt Edie, who was the sister of my grandmother, um, the grandmother who I was closest to, far and away the closest. So like I was really close to Mora Mora. She was my oh my gosh, I was so close to her until she died when I was like eight. But private previously to that I was like like thick as thieves she and I were, you know. Um, in 1977, I guess it was, 78, I, I dragged her to the movie theater to, to go to Star Wars, and she sat through that movie four times with me, just one after the other. We just never left the theater. We stayed there all day watching the movies. That's how tight we were. So anyway, she named her son after this this mysterious guy, this dad who just got thrown out, right? And so apparently, like her sister told a story to jo to my cousin that um that that there was one day on the Staten Island ferry where they took the ferry over and this guy, you know, the, her dad, you know, her mom just walked up to him, handed him an envelope, and then walked away. She's like, there must have been money. I have no idea what was going on, but that's the only time I saw him after he left, and now nothing ever since then, right? We have no idea. And so I tell you this story because it's important to recognize that, you know, like all of the trauma that I'm going through from my father, right? My father was a philandering, womanizing drunk. I was a philandering, womanizing drunk. My son could have, like he was slated to become the next philandering, womanizing drunk. But I, I broke the cycle. And it's funny because I broke the cycle with his name first before I had any idea of any of this was going on, right? I had no idea any of this was happening. And so when, when my wife and I, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, were coming up with names for our son who was about to be born, Arthur did come up, right? Because I'm a junior, Right. So it would be Arthur the second or the third or something like that. So like, hey, you know, how, how could we not keep this going? Right. My wife wanted to do it. I was like, yeah, maybe, you know, but something made me say no. Something would just held me back from it. Something told me. And again, this nervous system of mine. Right. That has been passed down for generation after generation after generation. 
you know, it was telling me, no, don't name your son Arthur. It's not, don't do it. It's, it's not right. That's not the name for him. Come up with something original. Come up with something different. Right? And so I did. His name is Casey, completely different. He's, and he's such a Casey. He's such a, such a fun and, and loving and, and, and good time guy, you know? I don't know what that has to do with Casey, but anyway, it seems to fit, right? Um, but this is what happens, right? So, so, so anyway, <clears throat> why am I telling you all this? I, I don't, don't, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. I'm just coming, coming up with this because I wanted to come clean with you. I wanted to make sure that you understood that I didn't just blow off yesterday, right? It wasn't just because I wasn't feeling well, although I was not feeling well. Like I woke up in such a ragey kind of place and I, I don't and and I think part of it is actually part of the trauma and that's what I wanted to talk to you about right so so as a child right because of my father who was a philandering womanizing drunk you know he was also very driven about making money right there was that was first and foremost always right when I was about 11 12 years old my father told me i was stupid literally said you're stupid for sitting there listening to music you know you should be doing something while you're listening to the music right like that's the the attitude that we had right and so it was very much about and this goes into like what you know not necessarily shirley arthur moore but but my other grandparent my other ancestors right even the privateer like that is somebody who you know your job just became your life Right, like there's no separation between those. I have another uh, ancestor who is on the Mayflower, and and he and he got on the Mayflower with a woman who gave birth on the Mayflower, which tells you how desperate somebody had to be to make a, a new life for themselves. That they would let their their you know nine month pregnant wife get on this boat. Right. And they had the baby on the boat named Oceanus, which you, you probably heard about him in history books. A lot of times my daughter's um, Thanksgiving, uh, you know, play, they mentioned Oceanus. He was the only baby born on the Mayflower and he lived to be about eight years old. Right. But the idea is that Stephen Hopkins, who is the, the father of Oceanus, he got off that boat. And what did he do? He started a bar. He opened the first bar in Plymouth. Maybe he was a womanizing, uh, philandering drunk, too. Huh? You think? <laughs> But that's the thing. I have this, this, this history of all these men who have just committed themselves completely and 100% to the toil and the difficulty of business, of, of, of labor. <clears throat> and so a lot of times what happens for me is that I get into a place where I think of like, you know, like I have to do this podcast every single day. Right. If I don't do it every single day, then I'm a horrible failure. I am stupid. Right. Because that's the way my father told me when I was young. Like, you're stupid for, you know, he didn't say you're stupid. But he says, he says, don't you think that's stupid to just sit there and listen to music? You know, so that's his way of being nice, I guess. You know, <laughs> but anyway. So yesterday morning I wake up and I had a, a conflict. Right. I had a conflict because I told my son that I go take him, he's dying to play some golf, you know, and there's a driving range. I said, okay, we'll go hit a bucket of balls. There's a couple of practice holes there, so we'll spend about an hour, but then I got to get back to work, right? And when I was trying to do all this, it just became so like it, it, this pull that I had that I wasn't working, that I was taking like an hour on a Wednesday morning to go play golf with my son. 
it just felt like I was crumbling inside. Now, normally, I would just push through it. I'd say, say, Arch, shut up and do the work. Pardon me. And I might show up here and I might give you a, a half-assed podcast. I might give you a brilliant podcast. But either way, I'm going to be only halfway here, right? Because I'm, I'm so worked up, right? And so yesterday, I made the decision to change things a little bit, right? I made the decision to, instead of pushing through it, I made the decision to honor what was really happening for me. And this is at the heart of everything I tell you to do, right? So so in a way, you know, yeah, I was I had some trepidation about telling you how I, I had this moment of failure, right? But the important thing is what I did with that moment of failure, right? So what did I do? I did lots of meditation yesterday. I even took a, a sleep. I even like let myself take a nap for 45 minutes because you know part of the thing is that when you're when you're so stressed right? Your body becomes exhausted. And the last thing that we think we can do then is to stop and sleep. So we, we just make our body more exhausted. <clears throat> so honoring what's going on, right? Honoring what is happening, not what we wish was happening, not what we would rather not be happening, you know, none of that, but, but honoring what is and really being true to that thing that is happening today. So if that is, you're having this tremendous trauma, stress reaction, and it's exhausting you, well, then you know what? Cancel appointments you can cancel. Allow yourself to, to have some time to, to take care of yourself, right? As you know here, I mean, one of the most important things about Re, you know, about recovering and healing from trauma is to be able to practice self-compassion. It is so important, so important. In the here and now, and also as we look back on things, if I can look back on things with a level of self-compassion, well, then I'm likely to see ways in which I can work with what I have, as opposed to becoming afraid of what I see, or becoming disdainful of what I see, or becoming angry from what I see, which is only going to lead to more of the stress and more of the trauma response and more of the bleh, all of that stuff, Right? And so from this place, you know, it's it's important to know that, you know, and maybe I'll follow up on this a little tomorrow because this was yesterday's uh, topic, was that there's a softness to the present moment, right? There's, there's, there's a, you know, it's almost like, you know, I was talking to one of my clients the other day, you know, KB, you know who you are. I'm not going to name your name because I don't like to, you know, call people out if they haven't. Uh, you know, approve that. But um, last Friday we were talking, KB and I were, and um, and he said that he said that that yeah that that coming back into the present moment, it feels like there's a softness to it, and that led me to kind of think, and I talked to him about this that that it it led me to think about yeah you know it has to be soft right because what we're doing is we're trying to experience. The present moment, right? So if you're trying to catch a ball, or I used to play hockey as a kid, right? And like even into my mid twenties, I played hockey. I love the game. 
you know, they, they talk about soft hands in hockey, right? And it's such a, a weird thing, right? Because hockey, you guys, you know, play with stitches over their eyes and get back out on their ice and stuff, you know? And you talk about these brutish, you know, hard, you know, teeth missing kind of guys. And you talk about softness of their hands, but that's what it is, right? Because if you just hold your hands out there and somebody passes the puck to you, if, you, if your hands are hard, you, the puck's just going to bounce right off your stick, and you're not going to be able to control it. So what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to just very slightly soften up so you kind of, just like catching a ball, right? If I if I just put my hand out like this and the ball comes, it's going to bounce off and fall on the ground, right? If I want to catch a ball, I got I to gotta do this. Right? I got to soften up. I got to catch it. got to allow myself to take it in, right? Well, that's the same thing with life, right? When we're, when we're so busy with everything get through it you know go to work get done do all do all do all we can't soften to let in the the present moment experience and then we miss it and we're not really showing up to life that way and so so you know in the awareness that we develop through mindfulness we can see when our trauma response or you know becomes the stress response and and the stress response becomes the exhaustion and all that stuff right we can see it happening in real time and as we see it happening in real time now it becomes very easy to do something about it all right everybody i hope you enjoyed this i know it was a very personal story i hope you didn't mind i hope you uh i hope you enjoyed it so anyway let me know if you have any questions. As always, uh, I'll put a link to my uh, my coaching link is in the description. If you choose to, you're more than welcome to book a call with me. It's already paid for, so you don't have to pay a dime for it. Um, and you never know where it's going to lead. I just had a, a first meeting with someone else who, you know, just just this, just. Uh, 30 minutes ago. And, uh, and, uh, it's amazing. I mean, you never know where these things are going to lead. You really don't. And so I, yeah, so I encourage you to try that if you want. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. I'll be back in tomorrow. And again, I apologize for missing you yesterday. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.